I'm standing on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is just a gorgeous setting, and not much has changed in this spot in a couple of thousand years since Jesus was here. It's right at the heart of where Jesus did most of his ministry. He lived in Capernaum, which is just a short walk from here. And this is where people from that city came to fish. And Jesus, a rabbi, a teacher, was walking on the shoreline. He was walking with purpose because he was seeking out those who would become his closest followers, those who would carry his message to the world. And here is where he came to Andrew and Peter and James and John, two different sets of brothers who were following in their father's footsteps the business of fishing. And Jesus says, I want you to give your life to the Heavenly Father. Yes, you're fishermen. Seems odd that they'd be the ones to follow a rabbi. That's not what was happening in Jesus' day, but Jesus explained, you're not going to give up fishing, you're just going to fish for something far more important. You're going to be fishers of men. It's odd, isn't it? The Son of God came into this world and he decided to choose fishermen to be his disciples. But this is what I know. Whatever God is calling us to do, whatever he has created us to accomplish in this world, we learn from this place, there's only one way it's going to happen. Jesus told us right here in two words, follow me. Christianity has been explained in a lot of different ways by a lot of different people, and it's been explained so many different ways that, that it's become confusing and misunderstood by most people in the world. In fact, it's become off-putting for many. But there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus explained Christianity in two very simple ways words. Follow me. Follow me. That's Christianity. Now, when I first started following Jesus, I was longing for him to change me. I was an absolute mess up, and there were some things going on in my life that I didn't like, and man, I wanted, I, I needed him to fix. So as the initial changes started taking place in my life, I was I was excited about it. This is awesome. Following Jesus is great. There was an adrenaline to it. But then something started happening that wasn't all that exciting. He, he started changing things in and around my life that I really didn't want him changing. I kind of really liked where they were and how they were. And didn't want him touching those things. Any of you experienced that? Okay for you to take these things, but man, don't touch those things. And then it went even further. I mean, Jesus really started messing with stuff in my life that I had absolutely no intention of changing. I wasn't going to change those things. And there he was, messing with it. And so I did what came naturally to me. I started 
pulling away from him. I started responding to him very differently than I had at the beginning. And of course, the problem with my reaction wasn't that it wasn't normal. Pulling away from someone who's messing with you in ways you don't want mess to be messed with is normal. The problem was that it didn't work. I mean, at all. You can't experience the promises of Jesus, the, the life and fullness that only he can give you, by pulling away from him, you have to keep following or you become the loser, and I did. After a while, I started coming to grips with the truth about Jesus. He doesn't just mess with the areas of our lives that we want him to mess with. He messes with every area of our lives, personal and professional. As the disciples learned there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, there is no partial involvement with Jesus. When he's invited into our lives, when we make the choice to follow him, he goes all in and all out, and we have a choice to make. We're going to embrace what he does or reject it. We're going to experience the life and fulfillment that only he can give us, or we're just going to have to do what we've always done, the best we can and just kind of scrape by and get by. But, and here's what I think we really need to understand. With Jesus, there's no middle ground. And the unfortunate reality that I have seen in my own experience, and certainly as a pastor in the experience of the thousands that I've had the privilege to teach, most of us try to live in the middle ground, and it doesn't work. In the very beginning of Christianity, right there on the Sea of Galilee, he said it, you've got to follow me. So here's the truth that I think needs to be the foundation of our conversation this weekend. Following Jesus changes everything. Following Jesus changes everything. It turns our world upside down. Actually, what I just said isn't true. When we follow Jesus, he turns our life right side up. It's just that we've been living upside down so long in this world that that's where we're comfortable. That feels natural. And so when he turns our life right side up, it feels oh so wrong. But when you follow him, no middle ground, he changes everything. He said it right at the beginning. Look at Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 14. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. He, he said, I'm coming to do finally the fulfillment of God's promise that you no longer have to live in just this broken system of the world, upside down. I'm bringing the kingdom of God and all of its promise to you so you can live right side up. The longings within no longer have to keep you down. You can now experience the longings fulfilled by God. And all you have to do is repent, turn from the, the system, the world, the fallen nature that you've been living to God in full faith and trust and experience his promises. And it was then, right then, when he said it's about 
If you're going to follow me, you go from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God that he approached them. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Following him means turning away from the kingdom of the world and all that you're used to and trusting him to live in the kingdom of God and the fullness of his promises. The Gospel of Mark makes the difference between the two kingdoms, the two worlds, the two systems very clear. Following Jesus involves a very different kingdom, a very different life. In fact, it's different from the one we're used to, we've been raised in. And I just, I think it's important for us to know the difference because those words sound so easy, but oh yeah, I'll follow Jesus. And he's going to make my life all better. All the things I don't like in this world, he's going to make all better. And then that doesn't work out and you're going, following Jesus doesn't work. You, that's not what following Jesus means. Following Jesus means literally saying no to the kingdom of the world and yes to the kingdom of God. It's an entirely different life. And we have to understand it. Mark shares the difference. I'll just try and nail it for you as well. The kingdom of this world is focused on our stuff. The kingdom of God is focused on our soul. So two very different things. The kingdom of the world is all about what we get, what we accomplish, what we get to experience in this world, what, what we get to keep in this world. The kingdom of God is focused on the soul, who and what we are and what we experience both now and forever. You can read about it in Mark chapter 8, but Jesus made it clear. He said, what good is it? What good is it if you get everything, every bit of stuff this world affords, but you lose your soul? It's worthless. The difference between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God is clearly seen in who we serve and how we serve because the kingdom of this world is focused on being served. Other people serving us and lifting us up and making our life easier, but the kingdom of God is focused on serving. You can see what Jesus said about that in, in Mark 9. He, they were arguing about who was great, and he says, you just don't get it. You, you haven't followed me yet. You're living in the kingdom of this world where you think greatness is being served at being on top of the mountain, but it's not greatness. Greatness is using everything you have to serve others. Those are the ones who are first. When he says, follow me, he's saying, come out of the kingdom of the world and into the kingdom of God because the kingdom of the world is focused on only what's possible for us as human beings, whereas the kingdom of God is focused on what's only possible for God. And he, he said it clearly in Matthew 10. You can read the Mark 10. I, you can read the passage I have there, but he said, with man, the things that you're really longing for, they're impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And can I just be honest? Most of us want all there is of Jesus by living in the middle ground, which doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. And can I be honest? Most of us are living out our Christianity in the strength of what's possible for us, not in what's only possible for God. What in our lives can only be explained by the supernatural power of God? No wonder Christianity is so disappointing. We're, 
We're just doing what we can do and putting Jesus' name on it. What a waste of time. What a disappointment. But Jesus said, follow me and you can experience a life that you have no power to achieve. The kingdom of God is extremely different than the kingdom of this world because the kingdom of this world is about pleasing people. I mean, pleasing people. Whereas the kingdom of God is about pleasing only God. I mean, think about the world that we live in. I mean, most people, aren't they about pleasing the audience of many? Doesn't social media play into that thing, right? We all, we want everybody to celebrate our lives and think we're special and lift us up. And why do we do that? Because we think that joy and happiness and fullness will come when we start getting glory and when we start experiencing pleasure, when everyone starts lifting us up. And so it's all about pleasing the audience of many, but the kingdom of God is about pleasing the audience of one. When we experience his acceptance, it doesn't matter if we're rejected by everybody else in the world because we're successful, because we're pleasing the audience of one. And we're not living for our glory, we're living for his glory. We're not living for our pleasure, we're living for his pleasure. That's what Jesus talks about in Mark 11. You can read it, but he, he, came, into the, he came into the temple, the place of worship, right? The place where you could invest in someone's soul and the soul could experience healing, the, the center foundation of the kingdom of God, the soul. And they were doing business. Well, they were, they were literally robbing the people. The people would bring a lamb or a pigeon, and they'd say, oh, that's not a good enough one. We can't accept that as a sacrifice. You have to buy one of ours. And it wasn't even that they were selling stuff. If someone needed a lamb, okay, pay the cost of the lamb, do it. But they were robbing people blind so that they could build their own bank accounts, so they could pad their own power. Why? Because though they were religious in name, they were living for the kingdom of the world. But the temple was supposed to be the kingdom of God about the soul, and so Jesus couldn't handle it. And he just came in and turned over tables and ripped the place apart and said, my father's house is supposed to be a place of prayer. Boy, he was right. It's obvious, though, that Jesus never read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? I mean, he's like, jeez. The reality is that his goal wasn't to win friends. That's the goal in the kingdom of the world. The more friends I have, the more glory I get, the more pleasure I experience. That wasn't his at all. You know, you know what his goal was? It was to please God and to help people. And he said, follow me. Here's the truth. If, we're, if all we're trying to do is get people to like us and or accept us, we don't tend to tell them what they need to hear, the truth. We'll be helping ourselves, not them. Tell them what they want to hear, and they'll lift us up, and we'll have more and more people liking us. That's the kingdom of the world. That's not the kingdom of God. Which kingdom are you living in? The kingdom of this world is often about telling people what they want to hear so we can get ahead, but the kingdom of God is always about pleasing God and telling people what they need to hear. The truth, it's about helping others, not just taking care of ourselves. So what Jesus came to give us, the kingdom of God, is an entirely different world, right-side-up world, instead of an upside-down world like the one we've been born into and raised in. 
And there's absolutely no similarity at all between these two kingdoms. The values are different, the priorities are different, the outcomes are all different, which brings us back to our truth. Following Jesus changes everything. In fact, change is the only possible outcome of following Jesus. But the truth is, most of us want all that Jesus can give us and no change. I don't want you to mess with this stuff in my life. I don't want you to mess with that stuff. And it doesn't work. And then we get mad at God and we declare his promise is not true. And that's not it at all. What we're saying is we'd rather have the life that we can achieve than the life that he can give us. We just want him to grant us a couple of wishes along the way. So, here's the reality I think we need to embrace. By the way, so far, a feel-good talk. So far, really <laughs> lifting you up, patting you on the batuski and making you feel great. Great. Here's the thing. I want you not to feel great in the moment. I want you to experience the fullness of God for the rest of your life. And that takes truth. <laughs> takes truth. So the 500 of you that no longer like me on Facebook or in life after this talk, God bless you in your new church family. Okay, I, I'm just, just having fun. I'm just goofing around. Here's the reality I want you to know. If we're not changing, we're not following Jesus. No matter what we say, and we say it loud and we say it clear. In fact, I find the people who are changing the least are often the most vocal about how they follow Jesus because they're trying to get people even in the Jesus community to like them more. But Jesus made it clear on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, it's impossible to genuinely follow him and remain the same. And I think this is where I have to be honest with you and we have to be, you have to be honest with yourself, we have to be honest with each other. Many who claim to follow him, I mean many, aren't changing, right? It appears that they're still living by the same exact priorities and values as those in the kingdom of the world. They're living in the exact same way. They're just using different language and singing different songs. Their, their words are different, but their lives are no different. And, and now can we get really honest? The same is true with us, really, right? I mean, isn't our language about Jesus and his truth ultimately bigger than the life that we're leading? And it all boils down to those two words, follow me, whether we are or aren't. Well, Mark, in his gospel, gives us pictures of how we can be following Jesus and not really following him at all. And it all boils down to choice, our choices. And I can't make choices for you, you can't make them for me, but boy, we can encourage each other and support each other as we make the right choices. And and he did it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He literally took different people in the Garden of Gethsemane and revealed their choices. They looked like they were following many of them, but they weren't really. And, and we need to learn from them because Jesus only came to say one thing, follow me, right? Experience the kingdom of God that only I can give you. Follow me. And, and it all is going to ultimately boil down to whether we are or aren't. And I think these pictures can help us a ton. Next weekend, we're going to look at the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to spend time there and see how Jesus handled the crisis of his life and how he connected with God and how we can apply that to our life. But this week, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane that we see people's choices, were they or weren't they following. 
And, and here's what I want for you. I, I want you to do what I've been doing recently. See which example in the garden is where you are today. First one is Judas. Judas stood against Jesus. Stood against him. Now, for those of you who don't know, Judas was one of the 12 closest followers of Jesus. I mean, supposedly left everything to follow Jesus. He was one of his closest friends. But as it turns out, he never left the kingdom of this world for the kingdom of God. He only applied the language of Jesus to his will for Israel to take over Rome. And it, it never transformed him. He never got there. And so it looked like he was a committed follower. It looks like he was 100% in. He sacrificed and left his career to follow Jesus. Everything, it seemed, changed, but nothing changed in him. And so he, Judas, stood against Jesus when Jesus started doing kingdom of God stuff. See, for the kingdom of God to come alive... You see, sin has to be paid for, so Jesus was going to die for it. For the kingdom of God to come to life, you know, you have to have new life, and that's what the resurrection was about. Judas wanted nothing of that. And so he was trying to manipulate Jesus to his ends, and he betrayed him. Can, can I just say, this is where the majority of the world lives, whether religious or irreligious, inside or outside the church, standing against Jesus all the while declaring... We're following Jesus. Those who do this do it for a reason. They do it because they're comfortable in the kingdom of the world. My life's comfortable like this. My, com my, my life's comfortable here. I, I like it how it's been. I want it to continue that way. So since they embrace the priorities and values of the kingdom of this world, they're going to stand significantly against Jesus changing that or anyone pressing against them from the kingdom of God. It doesn't take a high level of observation, I don't think, to see that this is our world, right? I mean, come on. Christ followers are being attacked from outside the church and inside the church in big ways. Why? Because people want the kingdom of the world left alone. There's another choice that's being made in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's in Peter. Peter actually makes a couple of wacko choices we're going to learn from. But in this case, Peter, who declared his love for Jesus, Peter, who said, I'm going to follow you even if everyone else turns from you. Look at what Peter does. Peter fought for Jesus without following him. Look at Mark 14, 47. Then one of those standing drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. There in the garden. Oh, you're going to come and get my guy. I take out my... You know, he's just he's playing some kind of video game here. It was crazy. Going nuts. But he wasn't following Jesus. You see, in this moment, Peter wasn't following or submitting to any of Jesus' teaching because Jesus had clearly said... I've got to suffer and die. I'm going to be betrayed. And once again, you know what Peter's saying? Not so, Lord. I can stop it. And Peter was sincere. I mean, at the same time that he was sincere and loving on Jesus, he didn't buy into what Jesus was selling. Jesus was selling the kingdom of God. You know, soul over stuff. What's possible for God, that's what's possible for Peter with his sword. And and he messed up everything. And just know, fighting for Jesus without following him doesn't work. And there's a lot of this in Christianity these days. 
fighting for Jesus, turning Jesus into a Republican or Democrat and fighting to get your way politically because that will change the world. No, it won't. Jesus will change the world, not that. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we shouldn't be invested involved in those things. They represent values. They represent a lot of things. But I am telling you right now, the minute you become a fighter for Jesus without following him, you're going to be angry. You're going to be petty. You're going to dismiss people. And you're going to build a culture of hate instead of a culture of love. And it's going to mess up our world. We need to follow Jesus, not just fight for him. It's really important. There's another choice in the garden. And it's found in the disciples, you know, the 12 disciples, the ones closest to him. Look at Mark 14, 50. It says then when Jesus was betrayed and he was being hauled away by the armies, it says every single one deserted him and fled. I think it's crazy. Peter gets the whole bad rap because Peter was just willing to speak out <laughs> what everybody else was doing. They all blew it. They all betrayed him. They all fled. Here's what happened. Here's the choice that made in the garden. The disciples, those who followed him closely, it appeared, every one of them ran away from him. Now, don't get me wrong. They had followed him for quite a while, actually. They'd given up a lot while, while, uh, of what they had had before he came. They, they gave up a lot of what they used to do before. And they had been adjusting their lives to his very new and hard teaching. But when everything hit the Fan. When it looked like he was going to lose and his enemies were going to win, when it looked like they, they had now started facing the issue of their own life and death, uh, that following Jesus was going to have serious consequences, what did they do then? They ran. I have to tell you, and I, it's just my IQ level, running away is not following him. And that's what they were doing. You know what they were doing? They were doing what people do in the kingdom of this world. When push comes to shove, I'm going to protect myself. I'm just telling you, I, the kingdom of the world and I get along really well. The only problem is the kingdom of the world doesn't lead us to the fullness of promises that Jesus, only Jesus can give us. And for that to happen, we have to follow him. Are you? I mean, this is, this is the stuff life is made on. The reality is this is really common today for us to be running away from him. We begin following. It's like I said in my own story. We begin following him, and man, we start experiencing some of the really positive things he can do in our lives. We start experiencing forgiveness. Oh, my gosh, how little we have of that in the world. And then we meet him, and he's willing to forgive us. And for the first time in our lives, we become defined not by our guilt and shame, but by his forgiveness. Are you kidding me? It's unbelievable. It's gone. You mean the failures that everybody tags me with aren't final? We start seeing ourselves as valuable. I mean, fearfully and wonderfully made, God says. We begin moving beyond all the insecurities that drive us to such bad choices. And it's unbelievable. And man, it's good. It makes us... It makes us willing to stand in an environment like this and lift up our hands and start singing. It's so great. But then we start experiencing some heat for following Jesus. After all, most of our world doesn't just reject Jesus and his truth. They hate 
Jesus and his truth. Because it's contrary to all the values and pleasures of their kingdom. You want to know why this world is starting to show its colors in hating anything and all that truly looks like Jesus? It's because Jesus isn't about the kingdom they love and are committed to. He's about the kingdom of God. And they hate it. So all of a sudden, following Jesus will start evidencing some real-world consequences. It starts affecting our family relationships and our friendships and how we're viewed at work and how successful we are vocationally and economically in every other area of our lives. And this is where we do the natural thing. It's really easy to go, oh, I'll follow him and I'll be forgiven. I'll follow him and I'll go to heaven. I'll follow him and I'll have a new life. I'll follow him and I'll have someone loving me. I'll follow him. But then the real world consequences come in and we go, no, I guess I won't follow him. I'm going to run. Some give up following Jesus entirely, but most don't. They just run far enough to get comfortable. That's where many of us are today. Which brings me to another choice. Peter made this choice. Peter sat at a safe and comfortable distance. Peter sat at a safe and very comfortable distance. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 54. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with guards and warmed himself at the fire. I have to tell you, this is really, this is really my go-to thing. I've journaled so much about this because, see, I can't, like, run boldly into the places many people run to. I'm a pastor, for gosh sake. You know I mean? It's like, I can't run boldly away from God and make these declarations and live in a way where I get to self-medicate away because I'll get caught. <laughs> now, this is true. I mean, there's nowhere I can go. It's, it's, I, I'm not kidding. The other day, just like three days ago, I get out of my car in a community I had never been in before. I get out of my car. Two seconds after I'm out of the car, hey, Brad, what are you doing over here? I'm going, Argh. I've been on cruise ships around the world doing the things I like to do when no one's watching. And people go, hey, Brad, what are you drinking? I'm drinking in the love of my wife. That's what I'm drinking. You know, it's like, I, seriously, I can't run like most people run. But let me tell you, I can stay at a distance where I'm comfortable. The truth is, that's where most of you are, right? Close enough to Jesus that you can get some of the drippings of the overflowing cups of other people, but far enough away that your life's not having to change. And it's killing you in Christianity. This simply pictures the place where, where most of us live, following him at a distance. But I need to warn you, um, when you're following him at a distance, you're not living for him. You're living for yourselves. You're not experiencing the kingdom of God. You're experiencing the kingdom of the world. You know, like Peter, we, when we live at a distance, it's where we ultimately deny him. We say we love him. We say we're following him. We say we believe in him. We say we're living for him. But as soon as someone challenges us as being one of those fanatical Christ followers, people who believe those fanatical things, we, like Peter, deny him. Right? Am I telling you the truth? And yet Christianity is boils down to not how much you believe about certain things. It boils down to the thing. 
Two words. Follow me. Are you? I didn't ask if you were fighting because you can fight and not follow. I didn't ask you if you're using the right language because you can use the right language and not follow. It's true of all these people. We have to follow him. And I want to remind you of this truth. When we follow him, he changes everything. What's changing in you? The good news about the narrative around the Garden of Gethsemane is that after Jesus was betrayed and, and beaten and tortured and died and then rose again, um, we have a great example of what we should do. Look at Mary Magdalene. She fell on her knees and embraced him. She fell on her knees and embraced him. Matthew 28, verse 9. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And Mary Magdalene and another Mary and possibly some other women in this community came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. There are a lot of choices we can make, but this is the only choice that makes sense for people who really are following Jesus. We need to fall on our knees and we need to embrace him. And, and that's where the problem comes because the truth is we've all failed, right? We've all failed miserably at this. I can spot myself in every one of those bad choices. The question isn't whether you can spot yourself in every one of those bad choices. The question is, are you now on your knees grasping him with every ounce of your soul to follow him and to worship him? That's where life starts changing. So let me give you this application. If we're going to experience genuine life change, what we all long for, what we're looking for, then we need to make the choice to genuinely, genuinely follow Jesus, to fall on our knees and fully embrace him. I, I, this is what I love about Peter. Mark 14, 72, immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You're going to deny me three times. To which Peter said, no way, not going to do it. And he did. And when he remembered that, you know what he did? He finally broke and wept. He says, you know, all this time I've been saying I've been following Jesus, but I've just been living in the same kingdom that I lived in before. And he turned to Jesus and he literally repented and believed, which, if you remember, just before Jesus met him on the north shore of the Galilee and said, follow me and I'll make you fish, just before Jesus did that, what did Jesus announce? Hey, the time is near. The kingdom of God has come. You've got to repent and believe. When he said, follow me, he was saying, you have to repent and believe. You want to experience the kingdom of God? Then you have to repent and say, the kingdom of the world doesn't measure up. It's kept you imprisoned by darkness and shadows. And doesn't matter how well you live it, you'll lose your soul. But, but follow me. Turn, repent from that, and put your faith in me. And I can do in you what only God can do in you. I can transform your life forever. And that's what Peter did. He he had failed profoundly, but he turned to Jesus finally and said, the kingdom of the world doesn't do it for me. Only the kingdom of God does. And I believe we're living in a world where many of us are still convinced that if Jesus gave us a couple of extra steps of opportunity in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the world would be enough for us. So we come to church to get a couple of wishes granted to make the kingdom of the world a little better, to get a little bit 
better in, in what we experience. We pray and ask God to make our lives just a little bit better in this kingdom so that, man, we'll have a couple of steps ahead and finally the kingdom of the world will be enough. You need to know, as Peter learned out, the kingdom of this world will never be enough. It's only the kingdom of God that will bring you what you long for, and that takes repentance and faith. It takes following Jesus. Are you? This is the difference between Judas and Peter, by the way. Judas, who stood against him, and Peter, who fought but didn't follow, and Peter, who sat at a distance and openly denied him. The difference isn't that one betrayed and the other didn't. They both betrayed Jesus, but, but Judas never dealt with the kingdom of God issue. He tried to deal with it all on his own. He lived according to the principles of the kingdom of the world. He tried to make it right, but he never fell on his knees, and it destroyed him. He allowed his failure to be final. He couldn't live with himself, and he ultimately killed himself. Peter experienced just as much brokenness. But instead of letting his failures forever define him and destroy him, he fell on his knees at Jesus' feet. He repented, and he put his faith in Jesus and said, now I'm ready to follow you, now. And you know what the result was? He was forever changed. It's my prayer that now, now, many of us will say, I'm going to follow him. No matter what you've done before, when you follow him, he changes everything. No matter what, where you've been before, when you follow him, he changes everything. He turns the world right side up. We go from sinners to saved, from failures to conquerors, from losing our souls to knowing God at the center of our soul, from pleasing ourselves and only ourselves to pleasing others and pleasing God. We go from empty to fulfilled. Have you made the choice to follow him? And so that there's only one action step really to this conversation, just one. Make your choice. Make your choice. Don't make it with words. Make it with the commitment of your life. And it's so important, just before we go into worship, we're going to end in worship just before we do. I'm going to invite you just to bow in a word of prayer just for a moment and spend some time talking to him about your choice. Where are you at in the process of following him? And as you're doing that, and I actually think this is the single most important time in the service, as you're doing that, there are some of you gathered in Groceal and Brighton here in Plymouth or around the world, Facebook Live, all over, and you don't even know what it's like to have Jesus come in and totally transform you. You've never even started the journey. This is your moment. So as others are praying, if that's you, why not pray with me? Use the words in my prayer right now and make them your own. In your heart, not out loud to God, just say, Jesus, in I mean, with Peter, I'm a failure. I've blown it. I've messed up. I've sinned. I've been living for the kingdom of this world. And I've never experienced the kingdom of God. And I'm just asking you right now to forgive me. Forgive my sin. Forgive my guilt. Forgive my shame. I'm repenting of it. And I'm putting my trust in your death to forgive me and your resurrection to give me new life. Save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I, there's nothing we long for more than to support you in the best way we can, not to invade your life, not to bug you, 
but to support you in a way that could help you. And all we can do is trust for you to communicate that to us. So if you prayed with me, just text me to the number 313131. And the one word text is Northridge. That's what you send to us. And you'll get a link. And on that link, it'll take about a minute to fill out. You can tell us if you want a Bible, we give you one of those. Or if, you know, we can help you with the questions you have. But please, you have to text us and let us know, okay? But just before we worship for the rest of us, can I remind you of something? Peter had long before the garden, long before he fought for him without following him, had said, I'll follow you, Jesus. He made the choice to follow Jesus, to walk away from dad, the fisher, fishing boats, everything, to, to follow him. And here he is blowing it again, which teaches us this very important reality. Following Jesus is not a one-time for always choice. Following Jesus is an hour-by-hour, day-by-day choice. And the minute we stop making that choice is the minute we lose it all. And so I just really want to encourage you to ask this question every day. Am I genuinely following Jesus? Or am I at a distance? Or am I running? Am I hiding? Am I standing against? Am I really following Jesus? Because when you do, he changes everything. And when that happens, there's only one response. Man, you just want to worship him because he's poured his oceans of blessing into your life. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with us as we worship the God who changes everything.
things going on in your life that you would like prayer for please join us down front we make it available to you guys for everybody else we love you thank you for being here we'll see you guys back next week god bless you